0: Welcome back to the master your voice podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Voss. If you like what you hear on today's podcast, please be sure to check us out on Facebook in the master your voice, Facebook group, or for more information on me and my work, head on over to vossvoice.com. that's www dot as in Victor, a S as in Sam S as in Sam voice, Vossvoice.com. without further ado. My interview with composer, Mia Ruman. I am so excited to welcome Mia Ruman today. Um, We're having a conversation with Mia because she is a fantastic young composer and singer. And my group, Sarah had the wonderful privilege of commissioning a piece for Mia. And I really wanted to introduce my audience, the Master Your Voice audience, to this exceptional young person who's writing incredible music and who in her own right is a fabulous singer. So before we talk to Mia, I want to tell you a little bit about her. Mia is an L.A. Phil Young Composer Fellow, a Sue Sao Composer Fellow. She sang with the National Children's Chorus for, I believe, over 10 years. She grew up singing in her church choir, scored films, is a singer-songwriter in her own right, and she's currently studying composition at UCLA. So that's just a little bit of this child and her current work. The reason I say she's a child, because I don't think, Mia, have you even reached your 20th birthday yet? <laughs> no, I have not, no. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's going to make the rest of us feel very, very lazy. But oh, my goodness. not to say, no, it's just exceptional when you meet a young person with exceptional talent. So welcome, Mia. Thank
1: you so much. Wow. Um. Oh my gosh. Even listening to that, I'm like, whoa. You're hyping me up a lot, and you're so sweet. Um. Thank you so much for the kind words. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Listen, hype is not something you don't earn. Thank you. <laughs> you I, clearly, I didn't. I didn't make any of those bullet points up. You earned every single one of them. So. So awesome. Good on you, girl, for like already being so motivated and doing so much with your work. So I'm really excited. Thank you so much. The one thing I like to do when we start these is because most of these podcast interviews, you're going to be new to my audience, and that's a wonderful thing. So, what I want to do is to have you tell us a little bit about yourself, specifically, how did you get involved in music?
1: Mm, Okay. Okay. So, hello, everybody listening. My name is Mia. I'm so happy to be here today. Um, Okay, a little bit about me. I guess I got involved in music right from the get-go. I always loved, you know, melodies and singing and humming. My mom has a funny story. I was about, like, I don't know, maybe five months old, and she was breastfeeding me, and I started humming the Barney theme song, and she was like, (laughs) what is she doing, you know? So, um, you know, in a way, like, music was innately something I was drawn to. And yeah, from a really young age, I liked writing my own little songs about unicorns and dogs and stuff like that. And then, yeah, when I was eight years old, uh, oh no, before that, my mom had to bribe me um, to get me to perform once at church. And then after I heard that applause, I was hooked. So they couldn't drag me off the stage literally for about four songs. And then after that, she was like, okay, well, I'll put her in choir. And that is where I stayed until the age of 18 in the National Children's Chorus and actually now work for them. So um, I like help to teach the younger children music um, and I work at my church choir still now, too. So it was definitely growing up in musical theater and in choir and all these things that um, formed me into who I am. And then also piqued my interest in classical writing later on once I sort of started venturing out of the singer songwriter
0: realm. No question for you, because a lot yes. of singers don't really cross the Rubicon of serious music theory. And mm-hmm. listen, this is not me disparaging any singer. No, of I was not. exactly that person until I, I'd realized how paltry a musician I was when I got to the conservatory. And I was like, Oh, I have to learn how to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. this doesn't seem like a problem for you. Somehow you figured out the musicianship piece of it pretty early on. Tell me how you did that.
1: Oh, well, I was very lucky because the only way that happened was um, I did not like, I, I could, play, could play piano, but like barely. So I never enjoyed my piano classes, didn't want to have anything to do with like classical piano playing. But where I got the music theory and where I got that musicianship was in the National Children's Chorus from the age of eight. I like to say it's like a boot camp um, it's, it's a very loving program, but it is very intense. Like they, they take you and they pump you out and then you're a little musician afterward. Like it is amazing. I learned music theory starting at that age. Granted, it wasn't the most like advanced, but you know, it's, it was something and it it helped me to get a head start. Like when I got to AP music theory in high school, you know, it helped so wait, me have a head wait, start wait, wait, there. That's mm-hmm. incredible.
0: When did you take AP music theory? Which year?
1: Oh, just in high school,
0: just, um, my sophomore year. Sophomore year. So that is that's not that's not oh just in high school, just in sophomore year. That's not necessarily that's AP music theory for those of you who don't know is a very rigorous test. That's a very yeah. rigorous AP. And so for a young person to be able to do that sophomore year is pretty impressive. And I'm Thank assuming you. you passed. I did pass. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. I'm um, not making too much of it. I should have asked you before the interview. Oh, don't put her on the spot. It's me. No, no. But but the other thing I wanted to actually highlight is something that I talk about a lot on the podcast. How important children's choirs are to the formation of young singers. Oh, and it seems like to you, this, you're completely trumpeting a theme that I talk about. Also, I don't know if you know this, but one of our singers in Seraphore is the director of the Los Robles Children's Choir. And then we have Mm. a former prior director in Seraphore of the Los Robles Children's Choir. We all are super passionate about music education and specifically children's choirs. So I'm super excited to hear about your experience with children's choir and how formative it was for you as a musician this is new oh my information gosh to yeah. i'm super excited tell us a little oh. bit more about how that process worked for you
1: oh yeah so ultimately it changed my life um it shaped me into the who i am you know all it, it is not to like not to say it's it, intense you know you have a lot of time commitments um every sunday of my life ever is you know Five hours of choir. Um, and then you have tech rehearsals, but so many amazing opportunities to perform to Mahler's Eighth with the L.A. Phil and the Master Chorale. Mm-hmm. We um, did uh, Coming to Burana, the Hollywood Bowl, a bunch of Whitaker premieres. Like the most amazing, they even, oh, the biggest blessing of my life is the first piece I ever wrote was um, a choral piece when I was 15/16. And I was like, wow, one day it'd be amazing if, you know, my choir could sing this. And sure enough, two years later at 18, they commissioned it and it was um, conducted by maestro Granker, Sean. So no, truly, it's been like just such a fruitful experience. And I owe them everything. So I am a huge supporter of like children's choirs in, in that sense.
0: That's amazing. Mia, that's so Thank amazing. You. It's going to be something really exciting for particularly my colleagues here on this podcast. I guarantee you. Thank you. <laughs> so tell me at this point, who are your biggest influences, musically speaking?
1: Yeah. Um, gosh, I would say at this point, um, Eric Whitaker is always going to be one of my biggest. He was truly the one I was like, wow, I wonder if I could ever, you know, write a piece like that. When I first heard sleep, it made me sob. Um so he's always going to be a huge one, but, um, Mahler as well. I just love his, um, not brash, but intense, um, I don't know, tonal style, uh, Stavinsky as well, but, um, alternately, um, a lot of lyricists and amazing artists such as, um, uh, gosh, Phoebe Bridgers, you know, mm-hmm. I love Taylor Swift, um, Joni Mitchell, um, all these, like, icons in singer songwriting. I'm sure I'm forgetting like everyone that I love um, as well. But yeah, those are the ones that ultimately come to mind.
0: Well, the good thing about putting you on the spot like this is I don't give you time to really think about it. You just have to go, who (laughs) is at the top of my mind right about now? And I know for for musicians, it's like, ask me a Tuesday and I'll tell you a different answer on Wednesday. Yeah. You know, but you're, you're so steeped in it. That it's a fun question to ask and just kind of see, put my finger on the pulse of where you are right now versus like where you yeah. might have been, you know, even just yesterday. So that's kind of cool. And also interesting <clears throat> that you mentioned a real big variety of genres. It's, you that a big yeah. light bulb moment. Tell me what you were just, you were just thinking.
1: Oh, well, I'm so sorry. I forgot. Um, as three more, Nirvana, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, and Bjork, I
0: would say as well. Okay, uh, that but, again, so that just feeds into what I said. There's a huge variety of musicians, yeah. composers. Ha, explain to me, if I if I have to ask Mia, like, what is your style?
1: Oh, gosh, I really don't know. Um, that is <laughs> such a mean question. question. <laughs> I think it differs with everything I write. That's why also I'll tell you more about it later, but... Um, you know i i love musical theater so if i'm writing pieces for a musical i love that because you have a million different songs for a million different characters they each have a different i don't know vibe i guess but if i'm doing my singer songwriter stuff it's more like um however i feel in the moment Mm -hmm. but if i'm doing classical stuff if i want something you know just simple and tonal and beautiful and sweeping i can do that but i can also you know I like going down the more contemporary route sometimes with um i want to venture into electronic music mm. um i really want to learn how to write more grunge stuff but i don't i don't really know how to do much on like midi yet or i'm, I'm trying to learn logic but i'm sort of constrained to singer songwriter ballads on the piano at the moment since you know piano is my main in- my other instrument besides you know my voice which is my main instrument but I really want to learn guitar so I can start going to more like rock fields as well.
0: Okay. So you're, you are the true definition of crossover. Thank you. We can't pin you down. We cannot pin you down girl. And I actually, I think at your age, that's a really great place to be because it sounds like you're in this space of like exploring everything and not feeling like you have to put yourself in any box.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's my main thing. And that's honestly, um, I've had so many conversations with my mom about this, you know, I've had, you know, some people in my life be like, oh, well, are you a composer? Are you a singer? And I've just completely rejected that, honestly. And then they're like, oh, are you going to be a singer, songwriter, or a composer? I'm like, well, I'm going to be both. I'm also going to write for theater. Like, I'm also going to score films. Like, I don't see why I have to stick to one thing. That's why I want to get my education in composition and then use what I learn to inform everything else while taking voice lessons that way I'll be able to do literally whatever I want because ultimately I just want to do what I want you know
0: (laughs) yeah and and, and it's a it's a tricky choice because it's it's hard to know which direction to go because you're going in like four different directions at the same time yeah but then at the same time you're you're kind of hedging your bets you're like I'm going to do a little bit of all of these things and see which ones not just land but which ones end up speaking to you as an artist
1: Exactly. And I feel like it also makes me more marketable because that way if someone's like, hey, I have a film, like a a short film, I need to be scored. I can be like, oh, I can do it. If someone's like, I need someone to write a piece for like a string quartet or like a flute combo. I'd be like, oh, for sure. I can do it. So that way I can say yes to all opportunities. And then through that, have more experiences. And I don't know. I just think it'd be, it's better to take on more than less or at least be able to, you know? And at
0: this point, definitely at a certain point, they'll probably say, no, you know, this is where my, this is where my my heart, my soul, and my pocketbook mm-hmm. lie, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but right now it's good that you're super super open to every opportunity that's coming your way, and a lot of opportunities have been coming your way a lot, yeah, yeah. so that's really, very grateful. really exciting um i i I love that, and speaking about that, talking a little bit about your writing process, I'm really curious as to how you approach writing music,
1: mm-hmm. yeah um. It's so different for, um, the, any type of project, if it's, um, for example, just starting with, you know, singer songwriting, um, I'd like to say it starts with lyrics, but oftentimes the lyrics, the main theme, uh, in the music, as well as the main lyrical theme happens simultaneously. It'll be kind of like a, aha, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll be kind of playing around and it'll come. And then I have to work and form around that, um, but sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes to start with a little musical theme, write the words to that, or just, uh, I'm pretty quick with writing lyrics, so I'll write the lyrics and then spend all my time on the music. So that's just for that. Same, but that applies for writing. If I'm writing a musical as well, that's how it would work. Um, now, if it's for like a more classical piece, um, it's always surrounding one main theme. I like what Eric Whitaker says. He calls like the golden nugget, the thing that makes the piece like tick. I'll find that and then I have to form the rest of it around it. Um, that's sort of the way I go about that. And then if it's a choral piece, you know, if I don't write the words myself, um, I'll set uh, the text again with a little golden nugget. Um, but if it's my own my own words, it's, it operates in the same way that uh, a song I write does um, and that sometimes happens simultaneously, sometimes it doesn't. It's all very organic Um but yeah, that's that's
0: pretty much how it happens. Okay, so I'm going to deep dive just a little bit because, as yes. I mentioned, I think I mentioned this already. One of the reasons I'm talking to you today is because my group Seraphor had the incredible pleasure of commissioning you to do a setting of the O Magnum Mysterium text. Mm-hmm. Now, Seraphor is a very specific group. We're completely dedicated to doing only sacred music, mm-hmm. only female voices. It's a very very narrow commission. Like you've got four voices. They're all grown up women. (laughs) So it's all female. The text is in Latin. It's a hard, it's a, it's a a very well-defined group in terms of we're the opposite of you, Mia. We're very narrow. (laughs) This is what we do. This is the the thing we do. And at this point, I don't even think we sing in English ever. I mean, every once in a while, but, and this, this weekend we're doing a concert where we have a pianist playing with us. And it, it was a joke because I'm like, how dare you? Because we don't even ever play with a pianist. It's just the four. Mm. So um, it's a very narrow commission. So that said, uh, one of the reasons I commissioned you, aside from the fact that I was clear to me that you were a fabulous person to work with. And I just love watching you as a young person and your, your creative voice. I've had one of those privileged positions where I get to see a lot of young composers just by virtue of Knowing my own son and seeing like mm. the people he's he's growing up with, and you guys are supporting each other and having the I'm literally sitting on the sidelines watching amazing young composers find their voice and do really exciting things. So so kind of plucking you out of that world and going, well, I think Mia could handle a commission. Let's have Mia do, write for us and see what happens. And it, and obviously it paid off in spades in you <laughs> We are just absolutely in love with that piece. We are so thrilled with it. It's it fits our voices. Beautifully, and it fits Thank like you. it's advanced enough to make it very interesting, but also I think it's not so musically out to lunch that I think the audience wouldn't wouldn't mm. really love it too. So you've you figured out a way to walk the balance of of interesting but still really accessible. And I, and sometimes accessible sounds like a naughty word. It's like a word that hmm. like, I don't think composers necessarily want to hear about their music. I love it. <laughs> you good. Good. Because I, I think one of the mistakes of modern composition is, you know, okay, that's great. Um, when you hear the violin playing styrofoam and uh, that's a real mm-hmm. thing yeah. I saw <laughs> and yeah. you go, mm, I think that's only ever going to be played once in this very exactly. niche, narrow market. So you figured out a way to write something absolutely stunning. And I keep teasing it because I refuse to play it before December 25th. We're so excited. <laughs> we, we recorded it and we're going to be releasing it um, on Christmas Eve, perfectly for Christmas Eve and so excited. And I'm going to plug it about 8 million times in this podcast because Yay! it's so worth listening to. And we are so over the moon proud of the recording and of the
1: mm-hmm. video is going to be
0: stunning. So we're really, really excited about it. But that said, we gave you this very, very narrow commission. You know, mm-hmm. it's for Sarah, for four grown-up women voices. This is not a children's choir. Mm-hmm. Um, this text that's already been set a million times and iconically mm-hmm. too by composers yep. like Victoria and lordson Which, mm-hmm. by the way, sidebar kind of fun fact, Mia. Mm-hmm. I know, Dr., I know, Morton Lordson from my days at USC. Wow. And I reached out to him and I said, I said, hey, do you have an SSAA version of your omanium? Because we're, we're going to do a bunch of omaniums and mm. yours is the, the contemporary, the most contemporary version. Mm. He said, no, and there never will be one. Oh. Because <laughs> it needs male voices. Oh, I disagree. So I'm putting this on the podcast just so it's out there on the record. Uh-huh. Lawrence says there will never be an SSAA version of the Omanium Mysterium. But wow. That's okay, because we have Ruman's version of the Monumentarium. <laughs> oh, so um, oh my I think we're okay to have that be the female version, the female voicing, so contemporary voicing. So let's take that over. <laughs> All right, Mia, that's kind of a little fun fact about your piece. But I'm wow. curious actually as to your process for that specific piece, because it seems like every single thing. And one of the things I love about your the way you're describing your artistic process is you're approaching every project as a little as its own little thing. So, you're yeah. not like saying when I compose, I do X, Y, and Z. You're saying mm-hmm. when I do this project, I do X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. And I kind of, yeah. to be honest with you, was anticipating that answer from you because there's mm. so many different things. I don't think there's any way you could possibly homogenize the entire process for everything you do. So, yeah. my question is how did you approach that specific commission?
1: Oh my gosh. I absolutely love this question because I remember exactly how it happened. Um, When you emailed me, I was so excited and so thrilled because not only I've sung um, Lawrence's O Mysterium and I love it. I was like, what? I get to, I get to set it in me, but I was also nervous. I was like, how am I going to write something that can, I don't know, fit the majesty of the text and bring out that, you know, sacred aspect and respect that, but I also don't want it to be too much like Lawrence's. I don't, but I don't want it to be weird and contemporary. I want it to be mine. I want it to be beautiful, and so ultimately, I was like, okay, brain, shut up. I just want to make it beautiful. That's all I'm going to aim for. I'm going to try to serve the text, and follow my heart, and write, and whatever happens, happens, and so I sit down at the piano, and I'm thinking, okay, O Monumentarium, O Monumentarium, kind of trying to sit with the words, and just those, you know, three three words yeah three words um and i kind of start playing around and eventually i hit you know the three opening chords Mm. and i was playing around and like i did different variations of it but then i finally got to the descending like or that part you know the melody and Mm -hmm. then and i stopped and i took my hands off and i was like Oh my god <laughs> like I literally got chills I was like this is it this is it and then I call my mom I was like mom please come record this like I need to remember it and so then I kept playing it and then I found some other themes from the piece I remember I just kept going back and playing that part over and over again the cluster of mm-hmm. like those spring chords and I was so excited um and yeah that's basically what happened and then once I had that I shaped the piece I guess around that tonality and that sort of haunting um bittersweet sound um that kind of makes you want to cry but you know makes you I don't know I don't know makes you just feel intense and warm and cold I don't know this doesn't make much sense but um yeah I've developed this uh what is it sonority the is that it I guess of the piece around around those and ultimately just unfolded over the course of um I don't know how long it took to write, but it unfolded definitely. And once it was done, I showed it to my mom and she, you know, sobs. She was like, this is beautiful. And honestly, it's probably like, if not my favorite, one of my favorite pieces I've ever written to this day, it is. And I'm just so proud of it and hearing your voices on it. Oh my God, <laughs> to anyone listening, you this this group is so intensely talented. I am so grateful truly for everything that you've done and giving me this opportunity. Like I, this would never have happened if you didn't believe in me. So thank you.
0: Well, Mia, I have to tell you, we, we were so excited. We got, we got the commission. It's, it's been a little bit of long in project because what happens with us with Sarah Hor is we get a piece and we work on it. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't record it the next week. We Mm -hmm. work on it for months. Like (laughs) We want to get in there. We want to make sure that we're listening to each other, that we're finding every inch of it, that it's Mm. not about singing notes and rhythms for us. It's about, are we locking? Are we finding the phrasing? Are we really, do we want vibrato on this particular pitch? Are we going to do it together? Mm. Are we going to like, are you going to open up the vibrato? Are you going to keep it straight? Um, And we really play with the details of the phrasing, and we, you know, we're looking at each other, we're cueing off of each other because obviously it's just four of us. There's no conductor, Mm -hmm. it's our ensemble, um, and we're trying to function as an organism. And to do that, you have to grow into a piece. So we don't ever take a piece Mm -hmm. and go and go, yeah, let's go sing it next month. No, yeah. we want to sit with it. And we want to give it the time that it deserves. And I feel like we spent we spent a couple of months playing with it. And I mean, obviously we weren't like three hours a day kind of working on it, but you know, coming mm-hmm. back to it, touching this little section, touching that section. And we had the amazing privilege of being able to record it at this gorgeous church in Camarillo called Padre Serra. Wow. It's a very beautiful, very big, spacious church. And we worked with a new engineer, this go-around mm-hmm. named Patrick Curry, who is seriously amazing, so talented. Mm-hmm. So we're in this uh, incredibly inspiring space, very live and beautiful. And Patrick is uh, effectively, produ- you know, not just engineering us, but effectively producing and listening because he's he can hear the room. We can mm-hmm. hear ourselves, you know? We can, we have an idea of what we feel like, but he's hearing the room in real time and recording this. And we're sitting there going, no, this is, this is something mm-hmm. special. It really mm-hmm. is something special. The Thank piece you. is- absolutely beautiful. And like I I said, I, we were so thrilled to record it. I think we were just like buzzing afterwards. It took about not that long, maybe an hour to record. It didn't take that long to record. Um, to really get the, the, the audio visual takes a little longer. (laughs) Shout out to Gabby, by the way, Gabby Rublin, GMR Media, who did our video for it. Um, because she's a, she's a saint and a trooper. She's in, Mm. she's editing that thing like nobody's business right about now, but, um, (laughs) and I'm sure it's going to be stunning because I've seen some of the, some of the thumbnails are beautiful, Mm. which by the way, I think I mentioned is we're doing it. This is our first candlelight video and it's yeah perfect, like Christmas Eve. We're releasing it Christmas Eve, like, Go get a glass of wine, you know, hot mulled wine. Okay. Or maybe, you know, you're under 21. Have a hot coffee. <laughs> <wine>. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. seriously, put it on, put it on the speakers because it's stunning. It is absolutely mm. stunning. I think everything, all the elements just came together. And how beautiful you wrote shows, for the voices. Yeah. I mean, you, Thanks, you wrote yeah. so beautifully. You gave us so much to work with. And there were moments where Patrick was like, you're not doing what, you, he didn't say what she said because he actually didn't even look at your score. Mm. And he he would say, You need to bring this thing out, and you would have Mm. you had written something like pulsing or something undulating, undulating. Mm. undulating, Oh, gosh, yes, yeah, yeah, no kidding. And uh, so he's like, Do more of that. So it's like Mm. leaning into your notes, Mars. So, um, we're over the moon about the writing, is absolutely beautiful and it's so mature sounding. And I'm not kidding when I say it is. It is a good answer to Morton Lordson's men need to sing on that. And I'm not trying to be all like women, 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 power, but it's a great answer to a project, you know, for Sarah for where we're celebrating women's voices, you know, experiencing the sacred. It's wonderful. It's the perfect vehicle for us. So anyway, I can't hype it enough. And I Thank love you. hearing about your process. And I will play just a little bit of it on this podcast so people get a Woo! taste of it. <laughs> and hopefully a tease thank you. So I just want to
1: mention, I actually had the honor of meeting Patrick. He did a master class at UCLA and um, Yoni, Yoni Fogelman, who's an amazing composer to those listening. um, He got Patrick to come and do a master class. And then I was, you know, packing up my stuff and I was like, wait, I I think, is that, is that who I think it is? And Yoni was like, Patrick, this is Mia. He was like, oh, you're Mia. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you recorded my piece. It was such a funny thing. And um, so he said to say hi to you. And
0: yeah, but he was really, really nice, so. Yeah, well, well we are going to be working with him like crazy in the future. It's such a perfect, So talented. He's so talented. It's a perfect relationship. It's a perfect collaboration. He really hears us and he knows exactly mm-hmm. what, we're, what we're trying to go for. And he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. But it was a wonderful vehicle. Everything just came together. To me, mm-hmm. like, it just felt like kismet, you know, like all yeah. the things were coming together. All the elements came together to make something really, really special. And I think, I think our audience is going to be just- thrilled with it, and I'm, I'm thrilled with it. But aside from that, I still want to talk more about you, Mia, mm-hmm. not just okay. the amazing Omanu Musarium that we had the privilege <laughs> of recording. But tell Thank me, you. so one thing I want to ask you, because we're talking about your, you as a musician and writing for singers specifically, mm-hmm. what are your favorite aspects of writing for the voice as opposed to writing for instrumental
1: music mm. or instrumental ensembles? Huh. Oh, okay. By the way, sorry if there's like any noise. I'm in my sorority house right now. So there's girls 24 seven here.
0: Um, (laughs) so you don't think or two about hanging around with a lot of ladies.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Gotta love the sisters, but, um, okay. Oh, I honestly writing for the voice has always been my favorite thing. And I think it always will be because it's truly what I know. It's where I feel most at home. Um, it's, I understand how to do it um especially for the female voice um even some of my teachers you know I showed one of my, my one of my teachers a score for Omonium, and it was like the soprano line he was like uh are you sure like that's singable like and I was like I can do it I am I'm, I'm a soprano I am just like it's um it's oh, my no. language did, did,
0: you know did you get a chance to play it for him by the way yeah, yeah. I'm like I was like that's, hopefully he realizes it's way more than singable.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's awfully high. Even if a soprano can't go that high. Well, actually no, I think many like sopranos that call themselves sopranos are able to go that high. So I was like, it's definitely singable. Mm-hmm. Um it's truly just what I know. Um however, you know, like I love writing for um, you know, instruments
0: besides the voice as well, but I kind of get the question. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, that's okay. I'm sorry. I completely, I completely sidetracked you. The question is how do you navigate or what are your favorite aspects for writing for the voice as opposed to writing for an instrumental ensemble? So like if you're Uh, approaching an instrumental ensemble, there's, there's, I'm assuming there's a different way that you categorize, say, I'm going to do a string quartet versus I'm going to do a choral ensemble. Yeah. Like what are your, what are the differences between those? Oh, and what are your completely. favorite okay. aspects of, specifically about writing for the voice? My, my guess is mm. that question was moronic. I should have asked you one of those at a time. So oh, no, you're fine. So anyway, you want to play with that idea.
1: Okay. Oh yes. Okay. So for the voice, obviously it's all about the words because not only do you get text, but you get to play with how the text sounds. Like when I write like undulating, you're like, you know, you have this, whole thing that you can like do with the words and you have that syntax that innately is so musical in itself um and right now i'm playing with notating some rhythmic aspects for something i'm writing but even when i speak right now i am speaking in a way that can probably well it can be rhythmically notated if you do it very specifically Mm -hmm. and i just think that's so cool but um that's why i love writing for the voice because you have this whole other uh tool to create with um well alternative alternatively if i'm writing for a string quartet i have to find another way to get that emotion across but i think there's so much beauty in uh, just language and like poetry um and honestly i don't or i'm not able to express that amount of pain or love or suffering or joy simply through well it's just harder to express all of that in like a solo violin line but if Mm -hmm. I have words I can I can rhyme and you know say all these um these beautiful things so I just think it's a really uh, just a really really fun way to to write but you know that being said I still adore you know writing for any instrument and I think they all serve any emotion you want you just have to give it give it the chance give the give it the instrument the chance and it will serve you in whatever way it needs to you have to just treat everything with that same amount of respect and i think the piece will you know shine in whatever way it should
0: i love that it's a fabulous answer it's Thank a va- you. Hey, do you ever do you ever listen to or have you gotten into art song that much oh my gosh um i i've
1: sung a lot of other songs i actually haven't i i don't know because that's the thing I I'm confused as to what qualifies an art song because I have a lot of singer songwriter songs that are more like pop and somewhere I belt, but I also have many where I'm singing operatically and I'm like, Mm -hmm. is that an art song? You
0: know, I don't know if I for your writing. I think that's going to be tricky to to distinguish, especially now because there's so much crossover between things, but I'd just love to see what you, what you did with just like spending some time. I don't know. Do you, do you spend time with like, like Hugo Wolf or, or Franz Schubert or um, the yeah. art, like the French chanson, like that tradition, yeah. like Foray or Debussy or Ravel. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I yeah. think it'd be really need to see what you did in that idiom where it's like specifically yeah. it's definitely art song, you know, or even like a Ned Roram, something like mm-hmm. God rest his soul. I think it would be really neat to see what you did with that, because it it, it that, like when you're speaking like that, it, it sounds literally like a chapter out of the Carol Kimball songbook.
1: Mm-hmm. she talks well, about thank you you. Know,
0: thinking about how you navigate the text and the text yeah. itself is the text itself has a rhythmicity mm-hmm. that if you can respect that and you can by the way to me that tends to be like the difference between a really good writing for for voice and and yeah. like <laughs> yeah. did you declaim the text at least properly I always like yeah. like there are I make tons of jokes about pop singers who do this horribly and, you know, I don't understand your words because you clearly stressed the wrong syllable, like the emphasis was <laughs> on the wrong syllable. You know, it's like these are base, relatively basic seeming things. But I don't know that every single songwriter particularly comes to it from that. Like they, under, yeah. they don't know that they yeah. understand or have the, the relative level of respect for the text and the syntax right. that, exactly. yeah. that you're talking about right now. That's a really mature idea. And I'm not sure Thank if you, you came to that because you studied it or because you just innately understood that.
1: Um, a little, actually, I think, I think it just comes from growing up and, um, you know, singing, singing good pop and, and writing, I, I don't want to, you know, say good pop, but like writing my own thing, writing my own music and lyrics. Um, it, I think it's all, anything that's good, in my opinion, is is good because it's a way it should function naturally. That's a lot of what I'm learning in my voice lessons at the moment. I'm learning, you know, the technique of natural attack and um, just everything stemming from breath. And I'm really trying to get away from, I don't, I won't get it, but um, just our artificiality mm-hmm. and, um, you know, natural onset. Like if I'm like babies crying, you don't teach a baby how to cry. You don't teach a baby how to breathe, you know, mm-hmm. uh, getting back to, I don't know the roots of bodily functions and in that sense the way we speak is natural so just trying to replicate that I think it definitely comes with time but yeah I'm very lucky I I just adore it um but that's so funny you asked me about the
0: art song thing because Mm -hmm. I've been asked before about that and each time I'm like oh you know what I want to get on that um yeah and and by the way just in case just you know it's sidebar mm Nance does an annual competition for young for composers so maybe something you're going to want to look into Sorry, what is Nats? Oh, ooh. I'm giving you an interview today. The National <laughs> Association of Teachers of Singers.
1: Uh, oh you can always
0: email me and I'll send you a link to a link to the competition definitely. info because it'd be kind of neat to see what you did with that little nugget. Oh,
1: that'd be yeah. I'm, I'm gonna
0: get on that. And <laughs> <laughs> you need to see, and there's Mia Ramon there too. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, can't there's no escape. There's no escape. No, it's a good, <laughs> it's a good thing not to escape. Speaking of no escape you have a lot of projects on your plate. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. You have yes, to tell I me, do. tell us a little bit about what projects you have coming up.
1: Lovely. Um, okay. So well, the big one that I'm working on right now and probably will be working on until I'm about, hopefully I want to be done by the time I'm 25, 26. Oh my gosh. Um, so this is
0: like a six year project.
1: Yeah, well, I want it to be good. So um, I'm writing a musical slash pop opera slash operetta, rock opera. I don't even know what you'd call it. Um, (laughs) They're all composed. um, And the musical is about non Mozart. So she is or was the uh, older sister of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, his senior by five years. And she was an amazingly talented performer. Um, And she was also... Most likely. And according to a letter from Mozart himself saying you compose so well, blah, 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 blah. She was a talented composer as well. But when she turned 18, she was pretty much ordered by, you know, um, Leopold Mozart to stay at their home with um, with her mother. And I don't know, as it wouldn't be suitable for a woman, uh, you know, for her age to be going out and touring. So she basically stayed behind with her mother um and, yeah, she just wasn't... And the thing is, when she was, a, when she was very young, she was actually the headliner um, when, when uh, Wolfgang was very, very young. She was a headliner. But it started to sort of shift, you know, as they got older. And the thing is, um, with non it's it's tragic, it is, you know, that you have that what-could-have-been aspect. Like, none of her music survives. There's no record of it to this day. So it's sort of like, what could have happened if she had been supported in that way? But alternatively, you know, that I'm not, not non was not a girl boss in any sense of the word at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to make a, like a, you know, yay. Yeah, no, God, no. Because she really was extremely subservient to her father, to um, the men in her life. She had multiple opportunities, actually um, to go out and, I don't know, compose to marry the man she wanted. Um, her bro- own brother even encouraged her to do so, but I think that she was very, she was smart in that she thought the only way she could have a sustainable, comfortable life was to conform. And honestly, it prob- maybe it was. Um, so in that way, you know, uh, her brother said, please write more often, um, please marry the man you want to marry. She mm-hmm. didn't. She listened to her father and married the man that because he didn't approve. So she listened to her father again when she had her son. She gave him to her father, and her father tried to make another little wunderkinder, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so ultimately, this story. I think the the show is. I'm still kind of figuring it out, but she. Um, gosh, sorry. Uh, no,
0: it's great. It's,
1: it's about her surviving ultimately, you know,
0: um, in that time the choices she had to make at mm-hmm. the time to feel like she could optimize her life in the, in the situation. She exactly.
1: Was exactly. And it's sad, but it's just the way it is. And, um, but I think regardless, even though, you know, she doesn't have the notoriety, it's just such an interesting story to tell because she was really such a talent. So I want to examine what she could have written, what she could have been like yeah. as well. Um, Yeah, like what her
0: inner dialogue might have been.
1: Oh, yeah. It's it's hard to, um, I'm trying right now to make my way through an Italian uh, translation of her diary. I don't speak Italian and I do not speak (laughs) German. So it is very difficult. I'm using a lot of Google Translate. But um, I'm just trying to get into her head. But, you know, it's also really scary because I don't want to be that girl that comes in and is like, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to decide what she was like. Cause I don't know. Like I'm just trying to infer from the research I'm doing what she could have been like, um, based on some of the choices that I know she made, but it, it is really scary, honestly, especially since honestly, I'm writing the role for myself. Um, that's uh-huh. always been the goal. Um, uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's very Lynn manuel
0: Miranda of you.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thank it's amazing. You. Thank you so much. But um, it's truly been so fun. I'm having a great time. I just premiered um, the first song I've ever written from the show. I did it at the UCLA Composition Recital for undergrads. Mm -hmm. And I actually just yesterday finished the second song, um, which is going to be sung by, you know, a 14-year-old Wolfgang. Mm -hmm. And um, it's for my friend Jared, who's a tenor at CSUN. So he's going to premiere that at his recital. So it's coming along slowly but surely. But now we're actually starting to get the get the gears moving. So I'm really, really excited. That's mm-hmm. exciting.
0: I, I love that you're, I love that you're pursuing, pursuing your passion, but at the same time, you're doing it in a way that, that really is, is really in service to all of the skills that you have. You're, you, you. you built all these skills over. Oh, it sounds so funny when I say that to, to a 20 year old over the years, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's neat to see you like synthesize it all into a big ambitious project. Thank it's you. So really, much. really cool. That's exciting. It's really exciting. So tell us what other, obviously this is a bit, this is your big project, but mm-hmm. what other musical mm-hmm. endeavors do you want to pursue in the future? Where do you see yourself in like 10 years? If not cool. Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> in 10
1: years. Um, yeah. Honestly, at the moment, I've been dedicating all my time to um, the formation of the musical, but on top of that, you know, just continuing to write my little lyrics, stuff like that. Um, I really want to get back into, I've actually never recorded, um, well, at least the songs that I've written. Mm -hmm. So I really want to do that. I want to learn how to engineer. I want to learn how to produce because I don't, I'm not good at technology. I'm only good on Sibelius. And I'm like, in this day and age, you can't only be good on Sibelius. They have to learn how to do other things as much as it scares me.
0: That's Um, true. But you know, at a certain point. It's better to find Patrick Curry than it is to try to become him yourself.
1: That's true. But like, what if like how can I just become Patrick? <laughs> you know, just it's, it's, it's in my
0: in my grand experience, and I, I've had a handful of years doing this. Okay, more than a handful of years. It occurs to me you do need some technical skills, hundred yeah. percent especially at your age and at your stage of the game. And you definitely need some social media skills and like to get your stuff out there. But if you if you really want to cross the Rubicon, you can't do it alone. Mm. Yeah.
1: Okay. You know, you're I, will, gonna, you're, I will take that advice. You're yeah. going <laughs> to
0: need other people for whom they are as good at audio engineering as you are at composing. Mm. Okay. Because then, what yeah. you really and, and I'm not saying don't learn it. Do learn it because you're mm. not going to be able to afford those people just yet. Yeah. But there's going to be a point where you realize. You know, there are people who are as gifted as you are in what you do at that aspect of it. And mm-hmm. I have, which is why I talk to all different people on my podcast. I have so much respect for people on the other side of the microphone. Oh, it's so crazy. It's crazy. And and just watching people having had the luxury and experience of recording with many, many amazing audio engineers and producers over the years to be in the room with someone who really knows how the, how their craft is. And it is a Raft to get in there and like they just hear the tiniest little things that you'd hear you like I am, it's nothing you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> they they can zoom in on something and hear a detail and then figure out like okay this is to I, I, like this the mixing piece of it. it it is like watching it's it's watching an artist in, in yeah. right or her oh examiner. yeah so um so no learn those things mm-hmm. but then recognize the fact that there's going to be somebody out there it's going to be well worth collaborating and always another set of ears a million dollars like it's always worth it but anyway you're you're
1: so right yeah thank you also for saying that because sometimes I really need to hear it
0: (laughs) well I think at your age you feel like you have to you have to climb Everest on your own yeah (laughs) and everyone needs a Sherpa wow that's a dang quote good for me (laughs) that is good for you (laughs) something stupid in the podcast yeah put it
1: Um, on a pillow or something uh,
0: everyone needs a sherpa no but it's not even that and I think that's actually even a bad analogy because it's not a sherpa it's like it's someone to walk next to you it's not actually Mm. somebody who's carrying you yeah someone to walk next to you because you know collaboration is in this world that's to me at least at at my stage of the game it's everything I I never want I don't want to do anything and after especially after COVID I don't want to ever do anything in my studio by myself (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah I we like
0: working with other people then
1: yeah oh completely. I think that's honestly where a lot of composers, including myself um you know struggle like it's hard to work with um it can, it can be hard to work with others in a, in a composition sense, but I think when it would come to engineering, I need all the help I can get, and that's also why you know I'm so grateful for programs like the you know c f p the Composer Fellowship mm-hmm. program for young composers in the l a Phil where I met like so many amazing young people, including your son, who's like one of my great friends. Um, and just having these connections of fellow composers, I'm like, wow, okay, we don't have to do this alone,
0: you know? Um, and a big, yeah, while we're at it, a huge shout out to the LA Phil Young Composer Fellowship Program, because yes. the stuff they do there is just incredible. And the young people that are coming out of there are amazing. It's just, it's mind blowing that that program even exists and even more mind blowing, like your cohort. And I'm assuming this is obviously like, I'm maybe tooting, tooting their own horn and it might, I might be a little biased, but (laughs) the cohorts (laughs) that I've seen come out of there are just amazing. And it's so great to see you guys bump up against each other. And it's there, you don't have a sense of competition, but it's Mm -hmm. more a sense of we're going to, you you all make each other better. Oh yeah.
1: 100%. Oh yeah, it's so funny because a bunch of us are dispersed o- across the country, you know. Um half of us at the moment are at UCLA, half are at USC, some are at Juilliard, some are at Eastman. We're all over the place, but we all still love each other even though some of these schools have innate rivalries. Yeah. Like we I literally went to, um with, you know, your son Aiden and Mick who are both at USC and David. And we did a Friendsgiving together over at USC. You know, I crossed, I crossed enemy crossed <laughs> lines. Enemy lines. Um, but it's just, it's so amazing to have, you know, friends that are so talented that you can turn to for anything and everything. Um, so I'm really grateful for all of that. And
0: yeah. well, I do think it puts you at a slight disadvantage when you end up going to college and realizing, oh, wait, not everyone plays like members of the LA film. oh yeah Uh, (laughs) you are a bit spoiled going into undergrad i'm extremely spoiled yes (laughs) it's an amazing but it's an amazing program so big 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 shout out to the la phil to andrew norman tom Kachov, sarah gibson please tell Mm -hmm. me if i'm missing anybody
1: oh Uh, emily Emily. Oh, Emily.
0: Yes. So I big shout Emily. out to them! What an amazing, amazing program! And it's so wonderful to see all of you guys. And I mean, for me, it's fun to just be able to dip into that pool of talent and say, "Hey, you guys feel like writing for a bunch of women singing?" <laughs> Always. <laughs> it just puts me in a, such a great position because I, I love to champion your work, and it's just fun to fun to see what you guys are up to. And it's so Thank worth you. checking out. And speaking of checking out, Mia, I want to I want to ask you if there's any music you want to share with our audience today.
1: I think there. Let me. Okay, let me think for a second.
0: I mean, obviously, I'm going to play a little bit of the Omanu Mysterium as bumper music. You're going to hear a little bit of that coming into the into the podcast. uh, But what do you? What what else do you want to share? That's going to feel like okay. We've we've heard Mia. Hmm.
1: I maybe I could send you the one of the pieces from the musical I'm writing, or like a a snippet of it. Um. But if not that, you're. To the listeners, you're either going to hear something from that, or you pro- you might hear part of a string orchestra piece that I wrote. I'm not quite sure which
0: yet. I'll send, but um, it'll probably we'll let you be sit on it yet. for a little bit, and then yeah. you know, by by a little bit, I mean like three hours. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and then send me an MP3 in my inbox. And I'm like, yes, this is what we get today. So exciting! <laughs> it's super exciting. So Mia, also tell us um, where can people find you, and where can they listen to your music? Do you have a website yet?
1: I don't have a website get but I'm work. I know I got to get on that. I'm I'm trying to be more like your son cuz he is such Stop. he's like a mini Elon Musk or something. I don't Stop know. He's it. he's so on top of everything and anything to do with like marketing. It's, it's so admirable and I don't know how to do any of it. Um but I'm trying to be more like him in that way. But, um, I, gosh, you can find a bunch of my stuff probably on my Facebook. I think I have two accounts because my, my mom, um, I think she made one of them and then I made the other. So there might be two Mia Ruman Facebooks, maybe search, just search my name. You'll oh, how find about something. this. Mia
0: Rumin, you're going to send me a link to the one you want people to look at and it'll be in the show yes. notes. Very good idea. There you go. So um, that will find you on Facebook. Do you have a link to yes. anything on Instagram? Nothing like that yet. Um,
1: I don't have a link tree, but but I am very active on Instagram, so you can find me at mia underscore isa underscore bella. It's Isabella, separated by an underscore. It's my middle name, um, and yeah, on there you will find um, <laughs> bikini pictures, sorority Ooh. stuff, and a lot of singing and composition. So you know, a Love little it. something so for everyone. A little <laughs> something
0: for everyone. Bikini pics. Well, you will not find that on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> No. Oh my God. Every once in a while, you might find a story of me like at Pilates, but that's about as close to a bikini pic you'll, you'll see. <laughs> I probably should get
1: to deleting those bikini pictures if it's going to be no, a professional that's site. That's but... adorable,
0: Mia. That is adorable. Thank you. Be 19 and in a bikini as long as you possibly can. <laughs> there is an expiration date to that. But... Don't delete the pictures. you'll You're going to want to look back on them fondly. <laughs> so uh, never delete bikini pictures. May, may, uh, that's uh, no, probably but... bad advice. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> we'll be playing out one of your pieces, whichever you decide to send us, so that people can get a nice taste of what Mia Roman does in terms of her uh, her composition. Now, I want to say a big, gigantic thank you for coming and sitting down with me Thank you for writing Thank your you. absolutely beautiful omanium. I cannot wait for people to hear it. I'm so excited about it dropping. The video is going to drop on December 25th. If I haven't said it enough on YouTube, you can always follow Sarah for at Sarah for S E R A p h o u r a little play on that seraphim and four. seraphore at seraphore on instagram you can find us on youtube you can find us on spotify the you by the way will not be on spotify for a little bit because we're holding it to be part of a, of a bigger project so you won't find it on spotify but we're going to definitely oh. hold it to be part of a recording later on so you'll have to listen to it on youtube if you want to see it, um, if you want to, you know, obviously play it on a loop over and over and over again. <laughs> um, oh, my mom is going to be so sad. <laughs> yeah, well, you won't be able to get on Spotify. If, well, but then you'll be happy when it does drop on Spotify. That's just, very true. You know have to be patient, that's all. Yeah. Um, but a huge thank you. And if you're in Southern California and you want to come and see it live, We're doing two Mm -hmm. concerts featuring the Omanu Mysterium. The first is December 18th at St. Patrick's Episcopal in Thousand Oaks, California. That's at 3 p.m. And by the way, I am told there's going to be a nice little reception afterwards. So I'm kind of excited. Party, Yeah, party time with with the ladies (laughs) in the church. Very exciting. Yes. (laughs) And then we're also going to be at um, um, Pasadena Presbyterian on December 28th at noon, concerts at noon. So we've got two of them coming up. Uh, if you want to see it live, but um, for those of you guys, and I know a lot of people listening to the podcast are not in Southern California, don't worry, we got you. December twenty fifth, check it out. Mm-hmm. Grab yourself a glass of wine, maybe some wine, be wine or hot cocoa, a little bit of both. Oh, you're gonna be at both yeah. concerts? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, we'll be able to. We'll be able to. Say, and there's we'll let her stand up <laughs> and everyone will clap wildly. Um, oh it'll be super exciting. So, um, so yeah, so without further ado, big, 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 thank you to Miriam and for her amazing work, her big, bright, beautiful future ahead of her and for sharing her music with us this afternoon in this, on this episode of the master your voice podcast.